Above everything, be proactive. Minimize the chances of an attack by knowing your audience and practicing restraint. In this pandemic-stricken world, the sound of your business has never been more important. For telephone auto attendant recordings, sales video voiceovers, company newsletter audio reads, and even company podcast productions, turn to Zenith Exhibit Studios. Visit zenithexhibits.studio or call 208-209-7170 to schedule a free consultation. At Zenith Exhibit Studios, we are about helping you sound your best. If it has not happened to you yet, brace yourself. It most likely will. Someone gets mad at you or one of your employees for something that has nothing to do with your business and hundreds of thousands of people start posting negative reviews about your business on Google, Yelp, and Facebook. What business decisions are you making out of fear of blowback from the cancel culture? What impact can a cancel culture attack have on your business? In today's episode, Ed and Phil are going to explore the politics of business and hopefully arm you with critical information so you can use to fight off most attacks. Welcome to the Business Buffet Podcast with Ed Bejarana and Phil Anderson. This is a conversation in and around business with a pinch here and a sprinkle there of anecdotal stories. Like most buffets, we will offer the staples, you know, the things that are in every buffet, the meat and potatoes with a cursory helping of veggies. Our Business Buffet Podcast aims to give you the fundamental principles and strategies any successful business needs to know. Please subscribe to the Business Buffet Podcast wherever you download your podcasts. We hope you're hungry as the Business Buffet is open and ready to serve. Now, here is Ed Bejarana and Phil Anderson. Welcome to the Business Buffet. Hey, it is great to spend another week with you. It has just been a spectacular time in North Idaho. I wish I could say it was like that everywhere. Phil... How the heck are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. You know, I always love these uh, recording sessions. I really do. And it's even more fun because we're doing Facebook Lives. These are fun. It, it is good. You know, having, you know, the extra things that I have to push does just kind of make it a little bit more challenging. But it adds kind of an interesting dynamic to the overall process. You know, you, <laughs> you mentioned something just before we do these recordings. You're like doing this high-end, high-level recording at Rotary, and today you kind of stepped in the mud a little bit. And it's because you have so many things. This isn't your occupation, but you learn real quick the levers and the videos and all of this, and you pull up a wrong video, but, you know, these... It happens, yeah. If you if they doubled your your uh, what they're paying you, you might do better. That's true. <laughs> Although I, I I covered good. So let me let me fill folks in on what happened here. So I last week at Rotary, I run the Zoom meeting 
And with that, in addition to Zoom, I also videotape the actual meeting itself for broadcast. And I have the same Mavo camera that we're using right here in the studio that allows me to pan back and forth and jump between folks. It's actually a really, really slick camera, and it is fabulous in rotary. But there's a lot of things to push, a lot of buttons, a lot of, a lot of things that have to go on, and I have to pay attention to what's going on. Well, we had a woman who was there representing her production company. She makes movies. And they had coordinated with me ahead of time. They gave me the movie. I put it on the computer. I was all cued, ready to go. When it came time for the movie, I played the wrong movie. And, of course, you're so zoned in because, you know, you've got the next thing coming up, and then, and you're preparing, right? Exactly. And so they're, like, going like this. <laughs> yeah, they're waving at me. She's even saying, that's not my movie. That's not, that's not my movie. And, and I'm oblivious. I have absolutely no idea that like anything's said, gone wrong. You're zoned in. But I covered well because it was a rotary video. It was all about oh, the of Paul course. Harrison. Yeah. So I said, well, you know, we got to pay the sponsors. <laughs> you didn't tell me that before. That was good. That is good. It is really all. By the way, that's a great business lesson. You're, we're going to make mistakes in business. It's how you recover. How, how do you respond to those mistakes? And that's how you do it. Look, I made a mistake. Have to pay the sponsors. That's right. Get over it. You know, and, I think that's awesome. Uh, wit. Wit is going to be actually, I think, kind of important in this episode. Although... Mm. I think my wit could get me in trouble a lot. Yeah, well, I would say I'll try to rein you in, but I don't think that's possible. And Phil, actually, I think you've been in the room a couple of times where my wit has maybe gone mm. just a little bit past the line. Yeah, I, I, I tend to drop my head a little bit. Yeah. I don't roll my eyes. I know the effect on somebody rolling their eyes at me, and I don't want to do that to anybody Well, else. You, you have to be careful rolling your eyes. I'm zooming in here on Phil, because when he rolls his eyes, it accentuates his forehead. That's right. That's very true. <laughs> now, that, now, that makes no sense to our podcast listeners, but, uh, you know, anyway, tune in on Facebook. You You'll can still see. see we have pictures of us on our podcast. That's uh, right. That's yeah, right. So I really I've had to a... Photoshop the glare. So, <laughs> hey, hey, Phil, so I, I got a question for you. Have you ever been attacked personally online? Oh, you know, probably uh, you would be referring to social um, because, I mean, really, that's the the most prevalent. Uh, And I don't think so. I don't think I've really been personally attacked. I look, I I'm very transparent. I do not like drama. I do not like conflict. I actually go above and beyond to avoid those things. And I know you and I will really disagree about that because you don't mind mixing it up at all i don't like mind a lively debate but i don't need it to get down in the mud so i don't think so i did have something hijacked that i posted once about two three years ago and it was about politics but not about the politics just the state of the union address by each of the presidents and i just commented i thought it was really interesting that last year one side of the room stood up every five seconds clapping and this year the other side and can't we just stop that nonsense and I had that thread hijacked but it wasn't me and when people someone pointed it out they actually apologized to me so I didn't have to unfriend both of these people because I really don't tolerate that well you know I've been a political activist now for a dozen years I got involved I don't know if I've shared this story with you all, but when I first moved to Oregon, um, while I was politically active, I hadn't worked on any national, state, or local campaigns. 
But I was uh, at a restaurant. I had just met the owner. I was standing outside talking to the owner. And this woman walked up to him and totally ignoring me. She just stood right there in front of me and told this guy, if you don't get behind the sign ordinance that's been proposed, I swear to effing God, I will park a police car outside your bar every night and shut your ass down. Turned around and walked away. And I kind of looked at my new friend and said, who the hell was that? It was the mayor. No, no. He says, oh, that's Counselor Barb. And I said, Counselor Barb really needs to go. He says, yeah, that's kind of why we're talking to you. So I got involved in politics. You know, it's applicable because in answer to the question, have you ever been attacked online? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I have been attacked online. My, My intro story to this is I served on city council. I was appointed after a counselor quit. He had literally just been elected. And less than six weeks into his term as a city councilor, he quit because the council didn't vote the way he wanted to go on his very first vote. It was absolutely insane. So anyway, I was appointed. So then another counselor quit because, well, I was a political hot, hot topic and he didn't want to serve on council with me. So I was brought in and, you know, being the business guy that I am, I wanted to incentivize business. We had 50 some acres in a very small town. It was completely undeveloped and we needed the tax revenue. So I came up with an idea to bring an incentive program to bear. The council discussed it. We argued on it and work session. It came to a vote and it passed. Fair is fair. That's kind of the way democracy works, isn't it? But it, wasn't there a conversation that was not, uh, people ha- came into the conversation a little bit more open-minded? Or, or am I wrong about that? No, it was pretty much those who were against it hated anybody who was for it uh, and vice versa. Okay. So in this process, once it passed, then the local newspaper decided, oh, this Ed guy's got to go. This Ed guy is dangerous. When he sets his mind to something, not only does it get done, but it gets done fast. This incentive program had actually been discussed for two years. I did it in two months. Wow. And it, was, it wasn't because I bullied the process. It was because I didn't allow side um, yeah, distractions. Exactly. I focused on the topic and I, I drew to the point. And so the Gresham Outlook, I'm going to name these guys, Steve Brown, editor (laughs) of the Gresham Outlook, they published in their paper just despicable things about me. I got a phone call from their reporter on my business line wanting to talk about this. And I said, you know, because of the public meetings loss, I would like you to call me on my city resources. I don't want there to ever be any question that I was using my business to support my political position. So please call me back on my city line. The guy says, okay, in the future, but I've got you on the phone. Answer my question. And and pardon the language. I said, you got shit in your ear, son. I just told you no. So they kind of got mad because I said no. And but you really didn't say no. All you offered was an alternative to still continue the conversation. Exactly. Interview. But what they published in the paper was... He refuses to talk. I was violating 
the constitutional right of freedom of press. They came at me for violating this reporter's right to have an interview with publicly elected officials. And if you look up Ed Beharana responds to the Gresham Outlook, a video was published on January 11th, 2016. You'll see my recipe for how to respond to an attack. We'll uh, post that on the Facebook page. It is a epic video. Eight minutes of thrilling. I wish, not to pat myself on the back, I wish more politicians would take reporters to task like this. So we will not have a business buffet after today's episode. Uh, well, maybe we will. Maybe they don't care about us. Uh, but you're exactly right. Uh, reporters seem to be oblivious of any decorum uh, or, or actual facts and logic is the, when they come out, come at with certain questions. Yeah. Well, yeah, because they've got an agenda. They, they want to destroy the individual. Now keep in mind, this was several years back. You know, this was four or five years ago. This happened. Right. I can't imagine what an attack like that would look like in 2020. Oh, it, it would be, yeah, it would be probably tenfold. But let's dive into this just a little bit deeper because, Phil, I know you recently helped manage a social attack on a local business without naming names or identifying sure. confidentiality. Can you share as much as you can about the attack and what the business did to stave off disaster? Yeah. So, uh, in short, and, and this is a really interesting, uh, situation that, uh, I was in, uh, with the retail establishment that they are my client, uh, just got onboarded. So we're talking literally two or three days, maybe even one to two days into this where I count on two to three weeks of ramp ramp up, getting to know the client, uh, getting to know their persona, their culture, their brand, so that I can be their voice as close as possible, knowing I'll never hit it exactly, but trying to stay with their values and their culture and their brand in the posts that I curate for them. But I wasn't doing that. They had hired a lady that had been, she's a very, she's a very strong conservative and she had been quoted in our newspaper a number of times about why she moved to the area and because I had conservative values. She used the term, and I don't think we'll get many illegal immigrants there. And really, the term should be illegal aliens I mean, let's, because immigrants are 100% fine. They've gone through the process. They are proud to be American. They pay their taxes, all of the above. But the, she said illegal. And that ran. This person was quoted in the Washington Post, the Chicago Tribune. It was amazing. And once someone found out that this person who said all these horrible things, by the way, within their rights, in, in the newspaper, they went after this retail business hardcore. How can you hire a racist you should be ashamed of yourself. You should fire that racist. And so there we were having to handle this. What uh, I did was I brought the owner of the establishment and I said, you may want to know some of the things that 
this employee has done in the past, has said in the past, uh, not telling you one way or another what you should do, but I need to know how uh, you want me to respond to these. Well, of course, the owner was, we can't fire her. Uh, I'll get sued. And he's right. He would get sued for wrongful termination. And so he actually said to me, I will shut our store down before I do anything like that. And so I thought that was a really strong stand, but I said, you know, that's a knee-jerk reaction that I, I don't think we need to talk about now. And I, I walked through carefully my responses on all of these, every single one of these attacks. And even the ones that were supporting the business, I didn't even like those comments or I may have just liked it, but I didn't love them because I didn't want other people to think, see, you're just taking that side. Ultimately, after three or four days, we put a statement out that said, we're just a small business that's trying to help the community by offering great goods and services. And that's what we'd like to do. I also put some filters in. So uh, no longer would certain phrases and words uh, be allowed to be posted. And to be honest with you, I not only hid the really bad comments, but I also hid the bad comments from the supporters. It's not going to be tolerated. And after about six, seven days, things got real quiet and on we went. By the way, that business has seen an increase of about 40% in their business. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable the way the community came to their aid. So really, this was having to manage a couple of people that, you know, threw gas on the fire, stoked it, brought in some other people, and they just started attacking this business and everything they stood for. And it was horrible. And it was horrible to see. We actually overcame it, but it's not a guarantee either, Ed. No, you know, and it, it, this cancel culture, it's really, uh, I mean, it's mob mentality. It's mob rule. It's just a pack of bullies. Mm-hmm. These people, they feel that their anger deserves or they demand uh, retribution. It's not like this person killed anybody. It's not like this person raped anybody. And by the way, it's all legal and within their rights. Yeah, it's an opinion. And the reporting of it is so poorly done because they, the way they report it, they, they take the word from her whole comment which was illegal, they took that word out. So now it does seem horrible. Right. They but- edit it, and then they, they try to create news struggles. So we're, we're going to dive in just a little bit deeper after the break on how to deal with it. But before we go to the break, can you talk a little bit about you know being a social marketing expert, being a guy whose day-to-day front lines battlefield with Facebook, Twitter, and all of the social networking platforms, what are the different ways that you see businesses attacked? Well, that, that was a very aggressive, extreme way. Uh, sadly, it happens all the time. Generally, I don't have to deal with it. Uh, you know, I conduct myself online in a way that I don't have to uh, apologize for much. Now, people call me like really super vanilla. That's fine. I just don't like to stoke the fire. So that was one way where I've seen businesses attack. Uh, we've, we've seen 
similar ways where people get recruited and they go in and uh, and do those verbal attacks. There are some other ways they pick it outside of it, a business because they don't like uh, what they've said or how they've handled something. So they pick it. They'll actually stand outside the business uh, and anybody who comes into that business now you get shamed. Uh, and I want to go back to your introductory real quick, too, because you, your last sentence, when you said we're going to explore the politics of business and hopefully arm you with critical information you can use to fight off most attacks. That word most is super important. There is no easy formula for anything like this. But as we will point out, planning for these things are going to be, it's going to be crucial, right? Well, and that's it. You know, it's... It, you can't stop stupid. No. But you can prepare for it and know what you're going to do. So after the break, we're going to dive into how to prepare for, what to do in case of, and how to emotionally process an attack on your business. Hey, we're going to take a break and thank our sponsor. At F1 for Help, we have made it very convenient for our customers for the last 20 years. We have a storefront for our walk-in clients and for problems that can only be resolved at your residence or place of business, we will come to you. And as long as your internet connection is working reasonably fast, and with your permission, of course, we have remote control utilities that allow us to connect to your computer and work on it from our offices. Sometimes a quick peek is all it takes to get you and your computer back up and running. For more information or to get started, visit our website at www.f1forhelp.net or give us a call at 208-687-0183. That's 208-687-0183. At F1 for Help, we're fond of saying we clean windows, but we're not janitors. So uh, I'm going to share a story that literally just happened. And, you know, if any of you happen to tune in to my political podcast, Conservative's Guide to American Politics. You've already heard this story. However, I'm going to share a slightly different angle on this story. I, um, I was in Portland just a couple of weeks ago, uh, making the rounds, visiting clients. I was setting up a virtual classroom for one of my clients. So I was on the road, and I got a frantic phone call from one of my clients in the Portland metro area. And the frantic phone call was somebody in my employment, did something, and they were videoed doing something, and that video went viral. I need you to remove that individual from the website because I had to fire them. So in my position now, my natural tendency would be to fight that. However, as a, a virtual employee, if you will, for my customers, the service that I provide it. It's their business. It's not my job to tell them how to run their business. So my answer was I'm driving right now, but I'll pull over, I'll get up a hot spot, and I'll make it happen. And in the process of pulling this employee off of the website, I went on to Facebook and Google and I saw the stuff that was being posted and I saw the video that was in reference. What happens here is the cancel culture warrior, I'm going to call them in this case, they're prepared. 
they've got their their camera out and they're recording all of the action. And what they do is they come into a scenario, they instigate something, and then they film your reaction. So I, I think the issue that we first have to talk about is on one side of the coin, you are not allowed to react as per the culture warrior in any way, shape, or form. But however the culture warrior reacts is socially acceptable because they're, tr- they're defending the little guy. They're fighting the, the big, bad, evil business empire, what a, whatever crazy thing is in their mind. So in this particular story, a group of kids pulled up to a woman, threw something at her, and then drove away, and this woman was not going to hear of it. She was not going to have that. She chased these kids. It's a little bit called defense, right? It is self-defense, yeah. although, you know, I can see the sticky widget here. Yeah, for sure. So she followed them. At the next stoplight, these kids are locked in behind a car. She gets out, and she confronts them. And a bunch of ex- expletives are passed back and forth. And now these kids are recording. Of course, they didn't record what they did to her. Nope. They're only recording what she did to him. And she reached in the car and tried to grab hold of one of the kids that was spitting at her. There's a lot of emotion involved here. A ton of emotion. That's you right. never you never actually see the the woman touch the kid, but apparently the kid was a minor. Um, so uh, people found out where she worked. They did facial recognition. Yeah. It wasn't like she had a name badge on. She wasn't in uniform. This wasn't even a work day. This was on a weekend. Wow. So they found out who she was, found out what business she worked for, and attacked. And they went after them hard. So much that the employer hired a PR firm outside of me to construct the language and come up with the strategy on how to deal with it. And their, their methodology was fire the employee and respond to every single post. This doesn't fit within our company standards reflect our culture and the employee has been terminated no longer works here and they moved on and after four or five days the attacks stopped but phil tell me this what are your thoughts about caving into the mob so quickly i'm glad you asked here's the problem with that let's just say You are a hardware store, and you sell somebody some duct tape. It's gray. There's pink duct tape. I don't know if you know that. And uh, people find out that you sold the gray duct tape instead of the pink. It's like, this is absolutely wrong. There's nothing wrong with the pink duct, duct tape. Why didn't you sell that? And you respond by getting rid of the employee that didn't offer the pink duct tape. Okay? Now you've got somebody come in. And everything's okay, right? Because you got rid of the problem. And then somebody wants uh, the pink duct tape. So you sell them the pink duct tape and someone else says, what's wrong with the gray duct tape? Are you going to fire that person also? Are you just trying to sell duct tape for goodness sakes, right? Here's the problem. When you cave in to this sort of thing, you really have to take a number of steps back and look at the higher situation and make a logical assessment was anything actually done wrong now 
for this lady, had she got the license plate and videotaped all of this, she may have stood a chance legally. Who knows, right? But she certainly wouldn't have lost her job. But there can be another situation that comes up that's completely opposite, the other extreme. And now you have already shown what you do when these things come up. And to be consistent, you will not make anybody happy, Ed, and you'll end up having no customers. By the way, no customers means no business. Right. So that's that's what happens when you cave in. You have to take a step back and look at this thing from an aerial view. Well, let me let me add another story to this. Yeah. Let's, let's kind of layer this because in, in this first case, you know, the woman did assault a minor. And, you know, on that point alone, it's like, okay, firing the employee. It was personal time. She hasn't been convicted of a crime. You're innocent until proven guilty in the United States of America. Uh, right. Let's just, let's just set that there for a second. And let's talk about another case that you were, in it. you were involved with. Mm. Uh, a local attorney posted something on their Twitter account, an opinion about a waitress. Um. I don't want to say what the opinion was because I don't want anybody listening to look it up and start this whole thing over again. But it was an opinion. They didn't voice it to the individual directly. They posted it on Twitter with their own name. It took like four months for that Twitter post to get found. And then when it got found. When it got found. Oh, my. Oh, my, 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 my. And we've talked about this case on this pad podcast before, and I've talked about it in length on my con- Conservative's Guide to American Politics. But this individual was attacked viciously, and not just by one people, person, but by hundreds of people. There were literally thousands of attacks. They, they review-bombed them. They just posted one-star review over, over and over and over again. They, they wrote nasty comments. They called the business. They had a team of people just telephoning the business all day long. For a solid week, this business was handling nothing but phone calls. But now here's the difference. In the first case, it was an employee. Mm. In the second case, it was the owner. It was the business owner. Yeah. So in my mind, the situation here, it's not much different than, oh, I don't know, negotiating with a terrorist if a terrorist yeah. you know i you you and i we're old enough we remember the hijackings of the 70s and the 80s you know before the terrorists got the grand idea to run the airplanes into buildings <laughs> they used to take them in order to hold the passengers hostage to I get take- money or whatever their political thing they right. wanted what was the adage of the united states at that time well i'm pretty sure it's we don't negotiate with terrorists, period. Yeah. And why is that? Once you do, once you give in, you've set the precedent. You have. What you've done is you've just communicated to the terrorists, here's how you get me to take action. All you need to do is just take some people hostage. All you need to do is post a video about a woman doing something stupid. All you need to do is just telephone the business over and over and over and over again, and you will get what you want. It's no different than a child that you're raising, is it? The child wants a piece of candy. No, we're eating in an hour. You know what? The first time, 
you give in in five minutes. Then you give in in 10 minutes. Then it's 15, then it's 20. As long as you're giving in, there's already, there's always a target the child aims for. That's right. We're just conditioning them. Exactly. That all you have to do is just keep pushing and flailing your arms and screaming like a banshee. And it's no different when we're talking about the cancel culture and the mob mentality. So let's let's get to the solution. Phil, what are, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Okay. You ready? Uh, okay. Are you sitting down? I am sitting down. Thanks for asking. Do you, do you have any hair? No, I'm I sorry. That was that was way out of line. You know. Okay, don't pick on Phil. If you're going to review bomb anybody, review bomb. Me. Oh, there's a talk about. Hey, if anyone can come to my aid right now, attack this guy for attacking me. You know, there needs to be a follically challenged group united <laughs> or something like that. So, okay, what are three things a small business needs to do to prepare for? The eventual likelihood of an attack. Because honestly, I believe every business can be subject to cancel culture. I don't think any business is immune to this. No, and you're right. Uh, So actually using the comment you just made, obviously we joke about these things all the time. I, I have thick skin and I honestly don't care because I, I just don't care. And Ed's holding his um, Bambino in his belly right now. I have much thicker skin. (laughs) So, uh, first of all, and I'm saying this, you've asked for a few reasons. I'm going to preface all of those with this. Above everything, be proactive. Minimize the chances of an attack by knowing your audience and practicing restraint. Using the uh, woman that was very emotional and and you one would by the way let's let's just ask who if you got slugged in the face how would you respond oh i wish you wouldn't have done that you're generally going to get up and you are going to retaliate yeah in general right you know me i'm likely to kill him well i mean the thing is emotion can come into play really easy but practice restraint so that's to the overall everything and and if you do this now we're talking minimize right you asked how can we keep this from happening as much as possible well you know i, I want to just throw this in here you yeah. know this this uh, is applicable to when you're trying to defend your business against a cultural attack or defending against your cardiologist who says just push away from the table <laughs> Ed, practice restraint on a number of things, maybe, right? Uh, So number one, take the emotion out of your decision response. Okay, so that's a part of practicing restraint. Uh, Take the emotion out. Be objective. There's one. Well, you know, and it's it's true because when we are emotional, we are not logical. No. You know, what is it all, most all sales, 90% of sales, 80% of sales happen because of emotion? Yeah. And, you know, and then we justify it with logic uh, 10% of the time, 20% of the time. So, yeah, when we are in our emotional stance, you're right. We cannot make the right call. We talk about that all the time, right? We, we talk about it on this podcast, find the emotional pain points and answer those, you know, uh, resolve those pain points. Those are emotional pain points in a business. Okay. So number two, know your priorities. So knowing the why in your business will ultimately guide you in your decisions and responses. I think this is critical because where your why won't necessarily uh, answer everything perfectly, 
it will guide you to the correct responses. Well, and I think this even comes down to, uh, you know, I don't know if moral ideology is the right approach. Uh, intestinal fortitude is the right. I'm, I don't know the right word, right. but it, it, it kind of like, um, like the owner of the business that you were defending. Yeah. They said, we will close down the store before we fire this employee for doing something that's constitutional. Are you willing to go that far? You got to know that up front. By the way, you asked, what do you, you know, how far before you cave in? What can, should you cave in, right? Had that person actually said, you know what? We don't need this. I'm not firing him, but we're closing the shop. This shop is no longer, this store is no longer serving our community. Now, is that the right answer? In some people's eyes, they would think it's a victory, but it's not the right answer. No, it's absolutely not the right answer. So there's one other thing, um, and this one is not a very specific answer, but have a team and a plan and always have a ready statement. So I did explain uh, a couple, three days into this process, we posted a statement and it was very concise and really well worded and it got the point across. Now you could argue that statement should have been done on the first day, the first hour or whatever. I, I believe that's a knee jerk reaction. I think you let things play out a little bit. Um, I've told you about a, a, a business that I managed that, was told they had high prices. Should I delete the post? Well, no, they didn't call anybody names. It's not illegal. Let it go. And they had the support of everyone. uh, uh, Love them, right? So I I say, let things play out a little bit. And you've got to use your gut on this stuff. So much of business ownership has got to be from your gut, right? It is. You do have to plan. You do have to have intentional... uh, uh, you know, what you're going to do. But if you have a team and a plan and a statement ready to go, you cannot possibly have every, a plan for everything. But if you have, again, let your why guide you moving forward. You know, and let me add to that a little bit. I I spoke uh, two weeks ago on CGAP that as conservatives, you know, again, not to get political, but as conservatives, we need to support those businesses we feel are being unfairly attacked. So isn't your team also the community? Oh, for sure. For sure. And in and, and this, in that uh, story that I relayed, uh, the community really came. Uh, there were people that were shopping at this store that had never heard of the store, thus never been in the store, and they went in specifically to drop a hundred bucks. You know, and that, and that kind of reminds me. This is like um, when the cancel culture backfires. This is, <laughs> I you know, I I'll refer to this as turning into the skid ideologically. But um, there's a case uh, I don't remember the gentleman's name. It was in Wisconsin, and he had posted a crowdsource fundraising campaign to buy beer. He, he wanted to buy beer. I don't know if it was to watch football, hockey, something. It, it was just, he, it was a joke. He wanted to buy beer. And people sent him money. <laughs> <laughs> he, he raised thousands of dollars. Wait, wait, wait. Can you say that story again? Because I'm, I'm kind of thinking, I'd like a bottle of wine. Yeah, you know. <laughs> so so this guy, he, he posted on CrowdSource. He got the money. And guess what he did with the money? 
You're never going to guess what he did with the money on a crowdsourcing campaign to buy beer. Did he buy a beer? He bought beer. Amazing. Amazing. So the cancel culture goes into high gear. Well, the cancel culture warrior in this case was a reporter from the Des Moines Register. And this Des Moines Register just laid into this guy and saying, how dare you take the money that you raised for the purpose of buying beer <laughs> to, to buy a beer and not give it to some charity. You, and, and he just laid into it. He's serious. Now, by the way, that would be one option. It certainly would be an option, but yeah. that's not how he raised the money. No. So this guy, he took back to the wire and he posted a video. In, in response to this reporter, you know, without going into all of the details, let, let's just say that the guy now has a beer named after him. <laughs> the, he's, he's part of a branded beer run, so he's getting royalties. Wow. The mayor named a day after him. The governor wrote him a letter of pardon. This guy has won big. He has made millions of dollars he's it look up case of king beer in wisconsin this is just the greatest story about cancel culture or you can tune in to conservatives guide to american politics episode number 46 and as for the journalists who decided to take him to task, he's the one serving this guy the beer at the bar. Well, they fired him. I, I think that's but the that, best part of the story. Yeah, no, that's my that's my point. He yeah. is now working like I could have said, you know, a fast food place. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's fabulous. You know, could you handle negative press? I mean the old adage is there is no such thing as bad press. It feels bad when people are saying horrible things about you and your business. It is very scary to put your political ideology ahead of financial solvency. But you need to ask yourself, did you go into business to be a servant to others or to be your own boss? There is no wrong answer. But knowing which way you are leaning is critical before you get neck deep in the mess. Since the cancel culture mob does not distinguish between actions by an employee or their personal time and moral standards of your business, are you going to be held hostage to the whims of the mob? Or are you going to fight back and build a support network from your community to beat back the bullies? In my case, I have always felt immune to the mob. I'm a follower of Christ, and while I have on occasion said something I later regretted, I've never backed down from a fight I felt was noble in cause. My case may be unique because I can actually say the repeated attacks on me and my business in mainstream media has made my business a lot of money and helped propel my business to new heights. But that was only because I planned the eventuality up front and knew how I would respond to each and every scenario. How you react is up to you. But the message of today's episode is you must plan now for the eventuality of an attack. Like a stroke, <laughs> a cancel culture attack depends on time. The faster you react, the better your chances for survival. Phil, you got a quote of the day for us? I do. I really like this one too, Ed. Greatness lies not in being strong, but in the right use of strength. Henry Ward 
feature. That is a great quote. Hey, folks, thank you so much for tuning in. We really love having you here. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. And remember to eat hearty in business. Massage therapy is used by millions of people who want to feel better and live better. Get back to doing what you love. Visit AYAMassageCDA.com to schedule your appointment. Abandon your aches massage. Relief. Relax. Refresh. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Business Buffet Podcast. If you came in hungry for some substantial business nuggets, we hope we left you satisfied. Pardon me. We invite you to visit our website, businessbuffet.page. Until next time, we hope you eat hearty in business.